It's Tuesday, so you know what that means. Time for TV Tuesday, Spirekins Podcast, where we talk about all things new this week. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? I hope that all of you are doing well out there in internet land with everything that's going on in this world, and I hope that you are excited for a new episode. Remember to like and subscribe, and definitely check out our other podcasts, which you can find at www.spirekin.com. So, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, how this podcast works is that we generally talk about some of the newest TV shows that came out this week. We give our initial impressions. Then, after a music section, we have our spoiler section where we give all of our spoilers. The first part is spoiler-free, so if you have not watched the episode, I would recommend stopping when the music starts, watching the episodes, and coming back if they sound interesting with you. Uh, you should have a co-host, Greta, but Greta's right now taking care of some real-world stuff. So no worries, she'll be back next week because we have a lot to talk about. And one of our bigger shows, actually, we're going to be doing a special episode about. But I'll get to there when I get to that. So let's start, shall we? Because we've got some really cool TV shows. And some of them were kind of horrifying. And one was surprisingly one I didn't expect to be good. And let's get to it, shall we? So we're starting off this week talking about the Series 7 opener for the flash yes i'm talking about the cw show which we're surprising we're actually getting into because it's seven seasons in and we haven't talked about the last six seasons but for those of you who don't know i'm a, a big fan of the show even though it has dropped in quality in the last two seasons but i'm excited i do watch this show regularly just haven't talked about it, so i decide we'll keep this one up and we'll keep up uh superman lois and then if star girl comes out we'll talk about star girl we have to even things out a little bit with the MCU and with the CWDC verse, especially with next week happening with Snyder Cut. But I digress. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with The Flash, to catch you up, I'm just going to give you basic synopsis of the series, and then we'll go through it, and then we'll have a Zan's Extraordinary Superhero Examination dedicated to The Flash and The Flash TV show, which I will definitely link to once it comes out in this episode, so you can actually see more about how the flash works because there's a lot of stuff going on so long story short um in central city uh police ci barry allen was struck by lightning the same night a particle accelerator exploded now because of this he's become the fastest man in the world now he and his cadre of assistants who work at star labs are able to fight crime and defeat evil villains while keeping the heart of being a hero alive being one of the most compassionate heroes, he's done well for himself. He's had tons of villains, tons of adversaries. He's fell in love with the love of his life. He's ruined the space-time continuum, fixed the space-time continuum, and lots has happened. He's even fought a telekinetic gorilla at one point. But last season ended where the source of Barry's power, the Speed Force, had been destroyed due to a long story. However, because of this, Barry is losing his power. He's down to 1% at the beginning of this episode of the opening of Season 7. So, in conjunction with him losing his speed, he also has to deal with a villain who is able to make mirror duplicates of people and is using this to hold his wife and two other people hostage that he cares about. And he has to deal with this as well. So, lots of stress is going on Barry. Uh, and this episode is All's Wells That Ends Wells, directed by Jeff Schatz. This is the 134th episode of the series, Over, and this is the first episode of the season. came out March 2nd, 2021. And let's actually get to it, shall we, because this came out today. And this episode deals with the fact that Barry 
uh, is his wife is being held hostage and he's losing his power. He doesn't know what to do. The person who is messing with him is slowly going create more and more crazy and they're in conjunction. So Barry has to deal with the fact that he is not fast enough to save the day and they have to figure out a way to make a new speed force and helping him is not his a team which if you've watched the series originally he was assisted by dr caitlin snow and dr cisco romero also known as killer frost and vibe two major superheroes he's currently being assisted by the b team who were introduced last season we have chester p runk i get the joke with that and then we have allegra garcia who is connected to another character who kind of assists but not really we're talking about nash uh, Wells, who's also known as Harrison Wells because reasons. Uh, yeah, they're the same person, multiverses and dimensional fun. Um, long story short, Wells has been a fixture in Barry's life since the beginning, even though in the first Wells that he met was not really Harrison Wells, but actually Eobar Thawne, who was a reverse Flash. And then it became uh, Harrison Wells from Earth 2, and then it was Harrison Wells from Earth 15. And anyway, net. Due to what happened, which causes Speed Force to go away, all the wells in the multiverse are gone, except for Nash, who has the compendium of all their knowledge and their personalities in his head. So he is the personification of the Council of Wells, is what they call it. So it's a group of the most intelligent minds in the multiverse who are all assholes. And the big thing in this episode is that they're trying to figure out a way to make a new Speed Force to... An artificial fees were to help Barry. And hijinks ensue, including the fact that Barry ends up with the Council of Wells in his head, which gives our lead actor, Grant Gustin, a lot of fun because he gets to act as multiple characters from other seasons, bringing them back and acting in very different ways. And he's em- emulating Tom Cavanaugh, who plays Harrison Wells, Nash Wells, Sherlock Wells. Wells the the Grey, <laughs> lots of different characters, so it's kind of crazy. But it's a well-done episode for a season opener. However, it wasn't supposed to be a season opener. The first three episodes of this season are actually supposed to be the finale for last season, but the series got cut short because of COVID-19, so yeah. Um, overall, this is uh, worth watching once because we're getting to the end of this story arc. Personally, I was thinking about doing this all as one shot, doing the last three episodes all together during the Flash episode, but I figured, why not start with a bang? Let's get this out of the way because we've got a lot of other things to talk about because the other shows. However, I've got to say, this does excite me a little bit for the season because we have a new design costume for the Flash, and surprisingly for this episode, we have a lot of really great uh, CG animation and just the conclusion of the episode does hype you up for the conclusion of this story arc. But anyway, so that is The Flash Season 7, Episode 1. Now we're getting into Resident Alien Season 1, Episode 6, Sexy Beast. And this was directed by Jennifer Fang, and this deals with Harry being replaced. Uh, the official doctor for patients has arrived, and Harry is now without a job, and he has to deal with what humans call depression, severe depression, because he's been replaced, and it's weird for him. He doesn't have to... He's not dealing with this. Also, the fact that his quote-unquote human wife, the wife of Harry Vanderspiel, the real Harry Vanderspiel, is dead set on them moving back to New York. And so Harry is 
has to figure out a way to get her off his back because he has time now to look for his device. But she is constantly like trying to see what's going on, and he's trying to, well, make sure he has time to do stuff. And it leads to some hilarious and really just kind of messed up things that Harry does in order to find his device. Meanwhile, uh, Sheriff Big Black, uh, I really do not like the Sheriff Mike Thompson. We got a lot of respect for him, but he just went back to type in last episode. He really does. He's on the case for the stolen prescription pad, and, but Deputy Liv is on the ball with the investigation, and he she's actually finding out more information than him. And at the end of the episode, I'll tell you, Deputy Liv gets a bit of, well, recognition from the sheriff for actually being better at her job than he is. But the big thing in the episode is that we also find out more about the general who hired the two spooks who are looking for aliens, her deal. And, well, also the new doctor is kind of a douche, but he's also kind of like Mr. Perfect, so really crazy, and that leads to some weird issues with Darcy as well. So, yeah. Crazy episode, well done, and we're heading, we're heading to the end of this season, and I don't know where it's going to go. I really don't. Uh, Jennifer Fang, though, I like her style, and I like the... Well, there's going to be a fallout. There's going to be a huge fallout at the end of... Or the beginning of the next episode because of how it ended. <laughs> how this episode ends. It really... There's going to be fallout with the... Well, no spoilers yet, but definitely worth checking out. Definitely. So, now let's get to the next show on our list, actually. Uh, well... Snowpiercer Season 2, Episode 7. Our answer for everything. Wow. This episode is nail-biting. Because of all the stuff that happened with this. And more importantly, the switches and divides in this episode. So, uh, first off, we have Ms. Audrey currently stuck on Big Alice with Wilford and his team. Now having to show why she chose to stay with Mr. Wilford. Uh, maybe ter- being a turning, maybe playing the long con, we don't really know. We have resentment on Snowpiercer itself finally going to a head, and we have riots and attacks on Tailies themselves. Um, we have Ruth, the now head of hospitality, dealing with her actions that she did before Leighton took over. And we have the resolution of the murder of the season. Till tracking down whoever killed the brakeman and did all the problems. And that and, of course, Wilford maybe getting his final uh, plans in order before he enacts them. This episode sets a lot of moving pieces in order. It's nail-biting and it's getting you ready for what is going on. Especially because you know that for every two moves that Leighton makes... Wolford's made three moves ahead, and it's really showing how underperforming uh, Leighton is doing. Because Leighton's trying the best he can, but as Josie said a couple episodes ago, this is a light spoiler, but she said revolutionaries make terrible politicians, and it's true because he's a great warrior. He's a really good person. He wants what's best for everybody, but Wolford is a schemer, and he's plots and steps way ahead of Leighton, so... I don't know how this is going to end up, but this episode is crazy. Also deals with a little bit of of 
depression or suicide and actually gives you the ncpl hotline the national suicide prevention hotline because it deals with that incident with kevin and also with audrey so yeah and this is directed by rebecca rodriguez and wow what else can i say about this episode but I, i'm excited i really am this this show is really just i, I keep liking it more and more and I actually talked to Baz about this, and Baz hates this show because he says, oh, it's them on a train. And he doesn't like it, which is weird. He said it was just really just, oh, they're on the train, that's it. He doesn't get all the other nuances behind it. Ah, eh, well, I'm not going to, you know. Anyway. So, now we're going to get on to Superman and Lois, Season 1, Episode 2, Heritage. Directed by Lee Tolan Krieger. And this episode deals with the family moving to Smallville. They've officially sold their house, and they're dealing with all that loveliness. And more importantly than that, we have uh, Clark taking Jordan to the Fortress of Solitude, where he is going to learn about his Kryptonian heritage from the VR version of Jarrell. And Jonathan is currently going to Smallville High, uprooted from his really cushy life and girlfriend to Smallville, where he now has to deal with trying to get on their football team and the douchebags, Sean and all those assholes from last episode, bullying the hell out of him. Meanwhile, while this is going on, we have Lois um, trying to figure out why Morgan Edge is going to Smallville and eventually writing an article that could cost her a lot more than she expects because she does work for Morgan Edge now since he bought the Daily Planet. And the other story element is the stranger, who we now know who he is, is searching the globe for kryptonite, and we find more of his backstory, which is kind of um, weird and could be good, but seems very Lex Luthery, just or Alexander Luther, if you're familiar with the Crisis on Infinite Earth comics. So a lot is going on here. The one thing is I will admit is that. This is the best version of Lois and Clark that I've seen in a long time. And I love that we feel for them. And it, for all the power that Superman has, being a parent, it's crippling him. And it's such it's so good to see him. He's not a god. He's a man. And it's well done. It's not a, oh, he, he's indestructible. He's boring. People who say he's boring... And I admit he can be born because he's super powerful, but this is when you do. You take him out of his element where his strength can do nothing. It's similar to the statement that Heath Ledger made in Dark Knight when uh, Christian Bale as Batman is beating up Heath Ledger's Joker. He's like, for all your strength, you could do nothing. And that's what this is. It's showing that when things go wrong for him, it's heartbreaking and there's nothing he can do about it. It really isn't. It's like, he's like, I'm... It's like... I could save the day, but I'm being a really bad parent. I'm trying to be a good parent, but it's not working. And he's got two angsty kids. Also, we get more about Kyle Cushing and how he's a douche um, in this show. I really think he's not going to... If you listen to our Zan's Extraordinary Superhero episode, uh, examination episode, we discussed um, Kyle Cushing, uh, Lana Lang's husband, and how he might become a good guy later. I don't think he's going to be a good la later. I think he's going to be a douche through the entire series. That's my opinion, and that's what I'm thinking. If I'm wrong, I will eat a hat. No, I won't. I will uh, publicly apologize. But right now, 
Um, he's a douche, but I love the actor, and I love all the characters in this show. They're done well. Everybody is working their hearts out and kicking ass. Um, we're, again, this is one of those, it's setting things up. We'll see how it goes. Next, we have the show that, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that we are going to leave you hanging. We're talking about WandaVision, the series finale by Matt Shankman, episode 9. This is where it ends, and holy shit, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect what happened, where it went. I mean, part of me did expect a little bit of it, but I didn't expect how the ending was. I didn't expect the stingers. This episode sets up a lot of moving parts for future events in the MCU. And this is Elizabeth Olsen, someone for best acting. It's literally some of her best acting. Uh, Paul Bettany is an amazing actor. And the, the way he has fun with this version of Vision is great. Uh, everybody is acting their hearts out and... The whole series is a really, really, really fucking cool, I've got to say. I'm not going to go any further into this because, one, I want to get Greta's thoughts on this, and two, this episode is too big to talk about in one singular episode. So we're going to be doing a Zan's Extraordinary Superhero Examination episode on WandaVision's finale just to go over it in all the little nuances. Stay tuned for that. That will be released ASAP promise and that's it for the episodes uh non-spoiler section hope you guys enjoy uh if you have not watched episodes stop here if you have wait for the music to be done but anyway hope you guys enjoyed i'm your host zan i'm gonsville catch you guys next time and keep watching tv see you in a bit
time. Hello, everyone, and I hope you're excited because we've got a lot to talk about. And, well, we're going to go deep diving into each one. But first, like I said, WandaVision will be its own separate episode because we have so much to talk about with WandaVision and our expectations for the rest of the MCU moving forward. So, let's actually get to Lois and... Sorry, Superman and Lois, Season 1, Episode 2, Heritage. Like I said, directed by Lee Tolan Krieger. And, wow, this episode dealt with so much. For example, um, Captain Luther revealing that he worked with his Earth's version of General Lang at um, for uh, Group 773... Sorry, uh, 7734, or Platoon Hell... And I'm like, really? That's you're gonna use that? That's a calculator thing, but whatever. So he, they work together in another world that they don't trust. Uh, Superman. Uh, we have, of course, we have General Lane being kind of a douche to Clark because he's like, I didn't want you marrying my daughter, but you married her, and now I have to care for her. But you're Superman. You're not. You're not a husband. You're a Superman. It's like. This is a General Ross-level douchiness of, I am not your ally. You're just someone expendable to me. It doesn't matter that my daughter married you. Because last season we thought, oh, maybe he's changed a corner. Maybe he's caring. It's like, no, he's just an asshole. He's just a, he's the same General Lane we've seen time and time again. Just like General Ross, he is someone who does not really care about his family. It's how they can help him. And I just, and his thing of, oh, I'm stockpiling all the kryptonite because it's so no one can hurt you. Bullshit. Dude, you're, you're doing this to, in the case he does go crazy. And uh, yeah, that was a whole thing. But I do like that uh, Captain Luther is losing all of his items and he's just getting back to like basics because he had to blow up his ship. He had to blow up his suit. And now he's like, uh, I have the my computer, and that's it. So I have to go low-tech for a while. So I'm wondering how he's going to build himself back up. Um, seeing the actor for Jarrell, I don't know if I like him or not. Uh, he's kind of a... Well, I don't know. Because you got Angus McFadden playing Jarrell, and I know him from a couple of weird movies. Like I know him from Braveheart as... Robert the Bruce, he was in Warriors of Virtue, which we don't talk about. And he was in the final season of Chuck as the bad guy. And he... I don't know. He's a Scottish actor, and I just don't feel the Jor-Ellness of him. He comes across very... He has that Marlon Brando speaking with a British accent. But I don't know. I don't know. I do like that at first he's like, oh, so we're moving forward. And he's very happy to interact with Jordan as well as seeing his powers. And then the minute that he sees that Jordan cannot perform as well as Clark, he's like, yeah, he's not even going to be a, te- a hundredth of you. He'll have some strength, but he won't be able to release ocular blasts. And it's... And Jordan hearing that, it just shows that a lot of the fathers in this show are horrible. Like I said in the um, pre-spoiler section, we have also Kyle. Kyle is Sarah's father, and he's like, 
yeah, I get what he's doing. I understand his situation. I understand that he's trying to better his community. And But he's he comes across very, I don't know, just miserable. And same thing with Lana. I mean, when we see Lana, the first thing we see is she's got a glass of wine in her hand. And I'm like, oh, there's mommy's medicine. There's trouble in paradise. And I'm curious what's going to happen now that Lana's golden boy boyfriend is back if there's going to be an issue there or if someone else is going to end up with her are they going to stay together are they not but it's showing that a lot of the parents except for like Clark has so many different um, analogs in parenthood and they're all horrible and Clark is trying his best and it just seems like maybe he's stuck in it I don't know it's an interesting examination for the theory though but I'm getting it off way off topic so Anyway, seeing George, uh, Jonathan getting bullied in school because of what Jordan did, that is just cruel. The hazing in this, oof. I like it, though. I do like this show a lot. It's, it's bringing in a lot of questions. Uh, also, seeing Morgan flip the script on Lois and then rewriting her expose into a puff piece, wow, that was a crazy masterstroke. Uh, the end of it, her saying, here, this is my best writing I've had since you... You, you bought the planet, and it's I quit. <sighs> Nicely done. So this episode, it's a second episode that has set up more for this show, and I gotta say, I'm happy about this show. I really am, and I am liking we're getting a proper Superman. It's one which is engaging and making me want to watch more. And that's the great thing about this show, is it makes me want to watch more about Superman. So, yeah. <sighs> So now let's get to Snowpiercer, shall we? Because fucking hey. Uh, how to go into this episode. Um, yeah, so one, we have Wolford setting all of his pieces, like the fact that he's officially taken over Audrey, having Audrey recondition Kevin, who I thought was dead. The fact he's still alive is mind-boggling, because when he said, oh, Kevin's re- recovering, it's like, we thought he was just saying a puff piece. No, Kevin is still alive, and now he's a brainwashed follower of Wilford because of Miss Audrey and seeing her break down Kevin and bring him back up which is what she did in the night car she would take people's emotions and play therapist seeing her do that was intriguing because you see her slowly as she's treating him like a dominatrix like saying do this you He's the one that loves you. Breaking Kevin down and then putting him back together. She was doing the same thing to herself. At the minute that she officially was done, you saw she's no longer Miss Audrey, the spy from Snowpiercer. She's Mr. Wilford's Miss Audrey. And if I'm wrong and she is playing the long con, wow, that's she, she is kicking ass as the as actor of the episode. Seeing uh, also Alex being excluded from Wilford because he knows that she let her mom into the train and she has to defend her position. That was... It makes me hate Wilford so much. And that's why Sean Bean's a great villain. He is a really good villain and well done. Well well placed. Uh, But the, the surprising act was seeing Ruth... Um, helping out the tailies, and then when she runs into the little girl, who uh, Suzanne's daughter, 
who she in the first episode of the series she took Suzanne and put her arm into the hole to rip off her arm took her arm because she was dealing with it and she came face to face with the repercussions of her actions that she was a monster she would take innocent people and have them put their arms in freezing cold and break them with a hammer because to keep order and she is realizing she like it's horrifying and then her having a chance to save someone else and more importantly it's someone that doesn't trust her Leighton because Leighton has to save Pike which yeah because we have the riots going on and Pike gets captured and they're gonna just straight up kill Pike because I'm pretty sure everybody knows that Pike killed Terrence so they're gonna put his arm in the outside and Leighton's like listen I'm the one who did this I'm the one who took over I'm the one who's not following orders which is what a real leader does it's something which a a real hero does it's putting your life on the line so someone else can crawl over you which is what Leighton does over and over and over again Wolford would never do that. Wolford would have just said, take his arm. Wouldn't care, he's just an expendable piece. For Leighton, all of his, everyone he cares about is important, and he tries his best. He's trying to keep it together, and he's just losing the situation. And seeing Ruth stand up for him, that was a, that was a great scene. That shows that officially Ruth is part of the Inner Council, and he needs her. He needs hospitality and needs her backing him up. Uh, he definitely does. And seeing the brakemen uh, forcing the rioters to retreat, but then you see the rioters saying, hey, we'll get you later. This is not good. This is, Wilford is set to go, especially with the end of the episode, which we'll get to. Uh, however, we do find the official ending of the murderer, where, of course, we guessed it, it's the pastor who is the murderer and the mastermind. And he's setting up because Wilford needs to be in charge because he's crazy zealot. And he gets to the point where he tries to kill himself by putting a bag over his head and then having the air from outside freeze his skull completely. Tail fights him and gets it off. But wow, insane zealot. I think he's still alive. We're not entirely sure, but he's alive. And seeing the end of the episode where everybody's putting a red light on for Wilford saying, we need you. And then Rourke in his apartment with his wife, which we finally get to see his wife and daughter. And they're debating about putting it on. Is like, should we put it on? He's like, I'm still thinking on it. I mean that Rourke, maybe Rourke has been offered to be a spy and he hasn't? I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm a little concerned with Rourke, especially with what's going on, but... And that last scene of Wilford saying, get Icy Bob ready. What is he going to do? I don't know, but this has led to a lot of insanity. A lot of craziness. So, we have two shows left. We have Resident Alien and we have The Flash Season 1, Episode 1. Well, Resident Alien, like I said, um, the new Doctor shows up and... I, pretty much everything I said in the non-spoiler section pretty much happens. The only difference is that Harry is poisoning his what Isabel, uh, like pretty much putting sleep 
aid into her coffee to make her sleep so he could do stuff and he's dealing with the stress of what's going on it's kind of heartbreaking see not heartbreaking horrible seeing him do that and then at the end him going to his ship which they captured and the everyone captures him and they're ready to <laughs> pretty much he's where his ship is and the government's waiting to pick him up that was kind of that was a shocking moment um the sequence explaining the general storyline you, you knew immediately when it showed the little girl in the 50s and then it shows linda hamilton from terminator as a general you're like yeah this is the same person probably she devoted her life to get the aliens and apparently we do discover that the language is esperanto that's written in so yeah didn't expect that I um uh the other big sequence is seeing uh the deputy finally you know deputy live finally kicking ass like seeing the sheriff try to be good cop bad cop to the yeah to the kid that was just really awkward i was like really you're doing this come on man you could you, you just and seeing live just show him up every single time he still treats her like crap like saying oh this you you gotta do this you gotta do that it's like she could do better she could totally do better yeah i just whoa that's all i'm gonna say is whoa this has deviated so much from the comic but it's still entertaining because seeing uh alan tudyk be crazy as harry seeing him jealous over dr stone who is the new doctor and just seeing him like dislocate his arm in an arm wrestling is like it's like it's like i beat my wife in arm wrestling it's like whoa he's kind of like machoing out like he feels inferior and and then seeing him start to stress out over everything and want to see him just kind of he's, he's gonna explode no he is but he's becoming human or is he dun, dun, dun. And then finally we have the Flash, which, like I said, I'm going to do a whole Flash retrospective on. But big thing, seeing Grant Gustin uh, emulating Tom Cavanaugh was a great experience. Also, finding out that Ava is actually a mirror duplicate. It is not the original Ava. That was a nice, shocking twist. Um, I'm curious what the ending is going to be. And now that... And where... What's going to happen now that we do not have a Wells? More importantly, the thing I will say is that this episode should have had Cisco and Caitlin in the episode. Because, let's be honest, um, they have such a big rapport and of history with Wells. And just seeing them not in the episode when he goes away. That's... if It just felt very lackluster. That's my one complaint about the uh, show. Also, finding out that Top, which I didn't even want to spoil, that uh, Top is the mastermind between her and Sam Scudder, the first Mirror Master, and finding out first Mirror Master was a duplicate the entire time. That was a shock that I was like, really? You're going to do that? That's kind of cool. It kind of switches up the whole thing. And then finding out that uh, Dylan is willing to teach... Cecile, how to use her empathic powers in a different way. I'm 
I'm like I said, the show. It's setting up for big stuff and doing a lot of twists and changes. And that twist was a great twist. I didn't want to bring up during the actual episode, but we're gonna go more into it in the uh, build up when we do a flash episode. Promise it'll be soon. But first, takes priority. WandaVision. So anyway. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can email me personally at Zan. That's xan at spirekin.com. Or you can tweet me at spirekin. Remember to like and subscribe. And as usual, I'm your host, Zan. I'm Gonsville. Catch you guys next time. And keep watching TV. See you next time. <laughs>